This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. We're talking about what the Bible says. The Bible definition, not your idea, not my idea, but what the Bible says about how to stand in faith. What does it mean to stand in faith? Now, we've used as uh, text scriptures... uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13, uh, well, 12 and 13, actually. No, it's 13 and 14. I'm sorry. Paul starts off talking about being strong in the Lord and overcoming the attacks of the enemy. And he defines for us, first and foremost, that it's a spiritual attack. And then he says, because this is true, because uh, uh, because circumstances or people are never your problem. Now, please listen to what I'm saying. We think the circumstances are our problem. Because we're trying to change circumstances. So we see circumstances as the obstacle. And that's never the the problem. We sometimes see people as the problem because they're in the way of what we want or what we're trying to receive from God or whatever we think is uh, is going on. But people are never your problem. There is one and only one problem that you're ever going to have, and that is a spiritual problem. And that spiritual problem is the distraction, it's the deception, it's the attempt by Satan to turn you away. That's the only problem you're ever going to have when it comes to receiving from God. Satan is working overtime to get you distracted, get your eyes off of what the Bible says is yours, or get you acting contrary to what the Bible says you're supposed to do so that you fail to receive. Think of it like this, folks. If we pray for healing, what does that mean? Are we asking Jesus to do something from heaven to affect our healing? That's the way a lot of people think. A lot of people think that if we pray, then somehow or another, God is going to to look over to his right hand to where Jesus is seated, and he's going to say, okay, you're going to have to go do something about that. Folks, Jesus doesn't get up when you pray. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. The reason he's seated is because the work's finished. If it wasn't finished, he wouldn't be sitting down. So when you and I pray from heaven, heaven doesn't move. Why? Because heaven already moved and sent Jesus to the earth, he already finished the work. That's why the Bible says on the cross, Jesus was made sin, just like he was made sickness, so that through him being made sin, we were made righteous. Through him being made poverty, we were made rich. Through him being made sick, we were made healed. Or we were healed. And that's what exactly what the Bible says in Isaiah 53. By his stripes, you were healed. So a prayer for healing doesn't move God towards you. It moves you to take hold of what God's already done for you. Can you see that? That's why circumstances are never your problem. Because no circumstance can stop what God's already done for you through the sacrifice of Jesus. That's why other people are never your problem. Because nobody can ever stop what God has already done for you and effected for you through Jesus. Ever. Well, then why do we have so much trouble when it comes to praying and receiving from God? Because we don't realize that the enemy is a spiritual enemy and we're in a spiritual fight. And there are very specific rules. There are very specific uh, instructions that the Bible gives us for this spiritual battle. Verse 13. Because you're in a spiritual battle, wherefore, in other words, because this is true, because the preceding verses were true, we are in a spiritual battle. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand stand in the evil day. King James says in the evil day. Another translation, I think is William's translation, says when evil attacks you. I like that better. 
Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand when evil attacks you. And having done all to stand, notice the first few words in verse 14, stand therefore. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. That tells you that standing has two different parts. The preparation to stand and then the act of standing itself. We've talked about the preparation. The preparation to stand is very simply meditating the word of God to get it firmly fixed in your heart. Smith Wigglesworth used to say, if you wait till you need faith to get it, you're too late. Now, what is he saying? He's saying, prepare yourself up front with what the Bible says is yours before you ever need to step out on those scriptures. Don't wait till sickness attacks you to meditate on what the Bible says about healing. Don't wait till you get in financial trouble to meditate on what the Bible says about God's provision. Don't wait till you get attacked with depression to find out what the Bible says about being free from depression. Find out what the Bible says is yours. Find out, and now I know we all start with the area that's most important to us. If you're in the middle of financial trouble, then you're going to have to play catch up. If you don't know what the Bible says about finances, you're going to have to play catch up. We've all done that. Most of us were in uh, sorry shape when we came to the knowledge of the word, and, and, and it works anyway. Stick with it. You'll grow through it. But then once you win the battle in that particular area or get the pressure off of you, don't give up. Don't just lay back and say, all right, well, now we've got that done. We'll wait for the next problem to come along. No, prepare yourself for the trouble that the devil's going to bring because he's going to bring trouble to everybody. Jesus said in the world, you're going to have persecution. He said, you're going to have test trials and afflictions, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So you're going to have trouble. The devil is going to attack you. If he hasn't attacked you with sickness yet, he will. So prepare yourself. Get ready. Find out what the scripture says. Begin to meditate on things. I'm, uh, I've found through the years that the Holy Ghost will warn me ahead of time of things that are coming. If I'm, if I'm sensitive, if I'm open to his leading. There have been a number of times where he's impressed upon me to meditate on certain things regarding healing. Well, I remember the first time that came, I thought, well, why would I want to do that? I'm studying something else right now. I'm doing something else. Well, it wasn't too long down the road that I was attacked with sickness. And I thought, ah, if I'd listened, I learned that time by not doing it. If I'd listened, I'd have been prepared for this and would have sailed right through. Next time the Lord prompted me or impressed upon me to meditate on something, I realized I had learned my lesson. I started preparing for it, and then the attack of the enemy was hardly anything to be sneezed at. Wasn't hardly anything at all because the Holy Ghost had prepared me ahead of time. The Bible says the Holy Ghost is your helper. That doesn't mean he bails you out when you get in trouble. That means he will help you stay out of trouble if we'll let him. So the preparation part, the preparing to stand, has to do with meditating in the Word of God. We talked about Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of the law, the Word of God, in other words, shall not depart out of your mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. So meditating has something to do with speaking the word then, doesn't it? Meditating has to have something to do with speaking the word because he talks about meditating in relation to not letting the word depart out of your mouth. So thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then, when you meditate in the word, in other words, speak the word of God to make it a part of your heart, and then put it in practice, that, now, that could be standing in the midst of a trouble or a trial or a test. But when you become a doer of the word, then you make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Well, if you want to have good success in the area of healing, that means you, res- you res- resist and reject sickness, and you walk in health. If you want to have good success where finances are concerned, that means you will overcome whatever in- uh, attempt that the enemy makes for financial trouble, and you'll come through victorious. 
It'll make you victorious. It'll make you successful in every area of life. Now, we're currently talking about the process of standing. Having done all to stand, stand. Now, please notice that does not mean that you're not going to have the fight. You're not going to have trouble. If you just put enough of the word, so many times people have the wrong idea. If I just learn enough of the word, then I'll never have any trouble with the devil. No, if you learn enough of the word, you'll know how to handle the devil when he comes. But he is going to come. Storms of life come to us all. So the process of standing is a process of putting the word in practice. If the word of God is the way you prepare yourself to stand, then acting on the word is the way you stand. And he goes on and talks about having your loins girded about with truth and talks about the different pieces of the armor of God. And every one of them have to do with the application of the word of God in your life. Every one of them. So you prepare yourself to stand by meditating in the word. You stand by applying or doing the word of God. And that's what brings you into victory. Now, in Mark chapter 11, Jesus has performed a supernatural act in front of his disciples, or at least in their knowledge. The day before, he came by and saw a fig tree that should have been producing figs, looked like it was fruitful, looked like it was uh, producing, had fruit on it, but he found out that it was a a big show with nothing to, to show for it. It was just leaves and no fruit. So he cursed it. He said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Next morning they come by and the fig trees dried up from the roots and the disciples called it to his attention and said, look, master, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering, verse 22, said unto them, this great miracle happened because I am the son of God and it's here to prove to you who I am. No. Jesus said, have faith in God. Another translation says, have the faith of God. Now, Stop and think about this for just a minute. Jesus has just performed something supernatural. He's just gotten supernatural results. And what were those supernatural results? He changed the circumstances in front of him. He changed the circumstances that were presented to him in his life. And he answers and says that this thing called faith is the means, it's the vehicle whereby he changed circumstances. Now, the fact that he says, have faith in God, not I have faith in God, shows us that the understood subject is you, meaning you can do the same thing that he did. Now, who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is not some wild-eyed dreamer that some in the church claim or accuse us of being when we use these verses on faith. Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth to reveal the Father to us. And what is he revealing to us? He's revealing to us, here's how faith works in God's, or from God's perspective. And so what does he tell us to do? Do the same thing. Jesus is the Son of God. He's God himself. And this is the faith that he used. And he said, use the same faith that I just used. That means you can have the God kind, the God type, the God quality of faith just like he did. Folks, you need to understand something. There's not one bit of difference between your faith and Jesus' faith. Not one bit. Now, he may be stronger in faith than you happen to be at this moment, but you can grow out of where you are. You can grow into the strength of faith that he exercised, and he tells you how to do it. So in, in this, he's revealing to us how God operates. That's what he said his whole purpose on the earth was. He came to the earth not to show of himself, not to tell about himself, but to reveal the Father to us. That's what he said his purpose was. And here's what he reveals to us about God. 
Here's how God operates. Verse 23. For whosoever shall say. Notice he didn't say for when God says. It says this works for whosoever. I've made this statement before, but we used to sing a song in the Baptist church that I grew up in. Whosoever surely meaneth me. Now we were talking about the whosoever of John 3.16. But the same whosoever of John 3.16 is the whosoever of Mark 11.23. If the whosoever of John 3.16 is us, then that means the whosoever of Mark 11.23 is us too. Jesus makes no distinction. Jesus said, for whosoever shall say. What's the first thing he tells us about faith? Faith has to do with your words. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Notice he doesn't say one word about talking to God. Notice he's not talking about prayer. Prayer is communicating or talking with God. He's not talking about talking to God. He's talking about you speaking to your problems. He uses the mountain as, as a symbol of whatever problems may be in, in uh, facing us or whatever problems may be in our way. Just like the fig tree was an obstacle in his way, he says in the same way, if you've got a mountain, a problem that looks like a mountain, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Here's the only condition he places on faith. And shall not doubt in his heart. And shall not doubt in his heart. But instead shall believe. Well, if he's talking about not doubting in your heart, he must be talking about believing in your heart then. Right? But shall believe in his heart. That those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, we've talked about this before. It may have been last week when we were together. There's three times the emphasis on the saying part than there is the believing part. Three times the word say is in that verse in some form relative to the believer. Now, the first say doesn't count because Jesus said, therefore, I say unto you. So he's talking about what he's saying. But three times does he talk about saying on the part of the believer. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. So one say, one believe. But shall believe that those things which he saith, there's a second time for the word say, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Notice it doesn't say he'll have whatever he believes. See, if, it, if the Bible said you can have whatever you believe, that would make it pretty much a slam dunk for everybody. Because most Christians don't miss it in what they believe, they miss it in what they say. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Now, folks, you can let somebody steal your possession. I can go home this afternoon after church and find out that people have moved into my house and, and, and taken over. And I could just walk away. I could just say, well, this seems unfair. Or I could go in my closet and get my gun and clean them out. It's my choice. And my choice is going to be determined by how much I really believe this is mine. And that's exactly what taking hold of your possessions, taking hold of the finished work of Jesus, taking hold of the abundance of grace, that's what that really is all about. It's about you determining, is the Bible true that says, this is mine? Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. Most Christians don't miss it in what they believe. They miss it in what they say. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. 
Jesus shows everything in verse 23, every characteristic about faith that he identifies in verse 23 has to do with your words. Even doubting in the heart and believing in the heart are a function of your speech. Believing in the heart simply means to speak from within that which you are convinced of or that which you have chosen to accept as truth. That's what believing in the heart is. For example, when you got saved, somebody told you about Jesus dying on the cross for you. And so what did you do? You accepted what was said to be true, and therefore you said with your mouth, in some way or another, Jesus, come into my heart, or I confess Jesus as the Lord of my life. In some form, you made the confession that Jesus was the Lord of your life. What was the evidence of what you accepted to be true? The words that you spoke. So believing in your heart is speaking from within, from that which is unseen, according to what you've accepted to be true. Now, folks, people believe in their heart and speak with their mouth a lot of things that aren't true. Some people have got this idea that there is no uh, hereafter. There is nothing after death. And so they believe they've accepted to be true some kind of doctrine, some kind of position that when man dies, he's dead just like a dog. There is no heaven, there is no hell. And so they live their life based on the acceptance of what they believe to be true. And as a result, when they're asked about it or the way they live their life or whatever is a reflection, their words come out in relation to what they believe. I remember talking with somebody that uh, she claimed to be a Christian. I'm not real sure. But she claimed to be a Christian and her husband had uh, had died in a in a uh, an airplane uh, accident. They had gone down with uh, some of the other. He was a corporate pilot and the plane had gone down and killed everybody in the plane, gone down at sea. And um, uh, so she was talking to me about certain things regarding a funeral service and, and this kind of stuff. And people in the uh, there were some people in the church that were acquainted with her and they were wanting to use the church for the funeral service. And we said, yeah, that's fine. And so we were talking. And, and so with some things she said, it, it kind of piqued my interest. And so I asked a question. I said, well, what do you believe happens when we die, when a Christian dies? And she said, well, Pastor Mike, here's what I believe. I believe God takes us up into the sky and we all become clouds and just float for eternity in the air like a cloud. Well, I, it caught me so off guard. I, 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 I'm usually more diplomatic than this, but it just jumped out of my mouth. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, you're not supposed to tell somebody that that's grieving over their husband dying. You know? So I apologize. I said, look, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. That just jumped out. So then I asked the question. I said, what basis do you have for that belief? She said, well, that's just what I believe. And I said, did somebody tell you this? She said, no, I don't think so. I said, well, no, you didn't read it in the Bible. She said, no, I don't think I've read it anywhere. It's just what I believe. And I thought, okay. That's still the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. But she's chosen to believe that. And as a result, she speaks it with her mouth. So believing your heart is not just a matter of believing the truth of the Bible. You can believe anything from your heart. That's why you have to judge what you are accepting to be true by what the Bible says. Because it's not set on default. Wouldn't it be great if the Bible was our default mode? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great as soon as you got saved, all of a sudden you just believed everything about the Bible and automatically it was stuck on the inside of you? Man, that'd save us a lot of work, wouldn't it? 
No, it's only become, going to become your default mode if you do the time to meditate in the Word and put it on the inside of your spirit. So believing in your heart is what you say. Doubting in your heart is what you say, too. See, the woman that said that the, the, the thing about the clouds after you die, she's doubting in her heart based on the truth of the Word. It may be what she believes, but based on the truth of the Word of God, she's doubting. So doubt of the heart is whatever words you speak that is contrary to the truth of God's Word. So the condition Jesus says on faith is, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, and shall not say anything to the contrary of the faith he's exercised, but shall believe in his heart. In other words, continue to say that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Everything in verse 11, or verse 23 of Mark chapter 11 is about your words. Everything, every aspect of that verse is about your words. The first thing Jesus identifies, and he talks about it from almost every angle, is your words are what count. Now notice verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, because this principle of your words is so critical, and folks, Jesus didn't just make it up. He's not just saying, well, God's decided now since I've come to the earth, he's going to make up a new thing. We looked at the Old Testament. We saw how that this was the same principle that God judged Israel by in the Old Testament. It's nothing new. It's the same principle God created the worlds by. The Bible says through faith we understand that God created the worlds from nothing. Faith is what caused the, the, the nothingness to produce something. It's not a new concept. It's been around forever. And folks, the Bible says three things never fail. Three things will be eternal. Faith, hope, and love. Faith will be necessary when you get to heaven, not just here on the earth. Won't some of our detractors have an interesting time when they get to heaven? Those that speak against faith and confession, what are they going to do when they get there? They're going to have to catch up and learn. Maybe you ought to let me teach up there. No, that'll be fun. Get some of these people in class that spends all their time talking about faith not being right. Everything in verse 23 is about your words. It's an eternal principle. It's an eternal principle. What you say from your heart is what you will have, positive or negative. What you say from your heart is what you're going to have. Therefore, because words are the key, verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Folks, think about what Jesus is saying. He's saying faith will work on anything. Notice he didn't say what things soever God desires for you. Because it's not up to God for, in his desires. God's made his desires known by sending Jesus and, and having him accomplish the work. It's up to you to desire the things that Jesus has done for you. It's up to you to make those things real in your life. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, verse 24, when you pray. Now, some people will say, well, that faith, that faith stuff doesn't belong to everybody. The subject of verse 24 is prayer. To say Mark eleven twenty four doesn't belong to everybody is to say that prayer doesn't belong to everybody. But prayer does belong to everybody, doesn't it? Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray. Now, he's telling you about timing. When you pray. When is he talking about? He's talking about when you pray. When is the point that, he, that is referenced in the other things he's going to say regarding this verse? When you pray. While you're at prayer, in other words. That's why you have to prepare yourself to pray. 
Don't just jump out and pray something real quick. Get yourself ready to pray. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray. What are we supposed to do? He's going to tell us what we're supposed to do when we pray. When you pray, believe that you receive them. Now, what have we just identified about believing with the heart? Verse 23 identifies that believing with your heart is about the words that you speak. So when he says, believe that you receive them, that must mean speak in line with receiving them. And you shall have them. What things soever you desire, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, here's why that's important. A lot of people want to believe that they will have healing when they feel healed. A lot of people want to start believing that healing is theirs when the doctor tells them things have changed. A lot of people want to start believing that healing is theirs when their body improves or they see a change in their body, a change in the way they feel or a change in maybe there's a lump or something when they see that lump disappear. That's not when Jesus said to believe. Jesus said you're supposed to believe that you receive the things you desire. This is healing school. It works in every area, but we'll tailor it toward healing. Believe that you receive healing when you pray. Believe that you receive healing when you pray, not when you see your body improve. Not when the doctor tells you something different. When you pray, believe that you receive healing and you shall have healing. When you pray, believe that you receive healing. In other words, when you pray, you're going to have to talk in line with receiving healing in order to have healing. That means you're going to have to say it's yours before you see or feel that it's yours. And that's the part that messes most people up. Now, folks, the Bible says this will work every time. James chapter 5 and verse 15, I believe it is, where it talks about call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over them, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, James chapter 5, verse 15 says, In the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now, what does it mean to save the sick? Well, he's talking about healing. The word save there can also be translated healing. Being healed is being saved from sickness. You can understand that. So where it says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. He's talking about the very same thing Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the prayer that believes that it receives when it prays will heal the sick. The prayer that believes it receives when it prays will heal the sick. The prayer that believes it receives when it prays will heal the sick. The most basic way to exercise your faith is, first of all, to make Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and say with your mouth, you'll have what you say. Romans chapter 10 tells us that if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess him as your Lord, you will be saved. In other words, Jesus becomes your Savior. He becomes your Lord and you become part of God's family. So a simple prayer of faith would sound like this. God, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, that you raised him from the dead. Therefore, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is now my Lord and Savior. Thank you for accepting me into your family. Thank you that you're now my Heavenly Father. That's all there is to it. If you've never prayed that prayer, make Jesus the Lord of your life today. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Holy Spirit said through Paul's, Christ is the head, you're the body. Where are the feet? Are the feet in the head? No, the feet are in the body. 
that means if he put all things under his feet and you're the body of Christ and he's the head over all things to the church, which is his body, that means all things are under your feet. He's there to administrate. We're here in the field. He's at the home office. We're in the field. That's the only difference. We've been given his authority to use in the field. We've been given his place in the field. We have the same place with God, holy and without blame, as Jesus does himself. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.